The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. There's something specifically unique about St. Bernard's that I think sets us apart from almost every other parish in the diocese, perhaps the exception of only one other one. We have train tracks outside our door, and we hear trains go by at random times. I'm sure there's an actual system, but to me they're random. And especially during Mass, you're just like, you know, you're doing Mass, and all of a sudden this train, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. But I think what this has done is it's prepared us for a great new chapter. One of the things uh, I really appreciated about being at St. Vincent's is it's such a large parish. There were so many young families and so many children, and there were so many babies. Right? And I've heard some of them. Like, we're baptizing one today, which I'm super pumped about. And so the idea, like, of a child crying at Mass, that's actually not a distraction or a problem because we have a literal train outside of our doors, right? If we can handle a train coming through randomly, we can handle a baby's random cries, right? And there's, like, there's parishes I've been to where people are like, man, babies are crying. What are you doing? I'm like, leave them alone. They're here. Like, this is good. But I just, I've been thinking about that the last week and a half. Like, we've been set up for great success because of this. So I just wanted to share that. It's my own thing. Whatever. Moving on. How many of us recall Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Nice. All right. I'm not going to sing this song because I'm not a great singer. But we know Mr. Rogers, like he stood for so many beautiful things. And after he passed away, kind of started to learn a little bit more about him. And I'm thinking these are mostly accurate. If not, you can correct me later. But one of the things is he wore these uh, large sweaters, or just sweaters in general. And the reason he wore them, twofold. One, I think his mother knitted most of them for him. 
And then secondly, he was uh, in the military, I think Marines, and he had these tattoos on his arm, and he wanted to make sure that they were covered so that the children weren't shocked or surprised by his tattoos. Mr. Rogers, um, he gave great uh, donations and money. He, he had gone to a Presbyterian seminary. Uh, he ended up giving money to a Catholic seminary as well. He's very much in touch with the needs of his neighbor. And the whole point about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is that he wanted to break down barriers and prejudices that can naturally come up in human realities. So the fact that, like, you know, we're just going to have natural prejudices. Not saying that's right, but it's going to happen in our lives. He was so adamant about making sure that those barriers and those things that prevented us from seeing someone totally as a child of God could be broken down. He was so adamant about that. And in the the readings in the gospel today, we hear this emphasis of neighbor reestablished for us. We should know this, but maybe we forget at times that every human being throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, the gospels, every human being is meant to be a neighbor. Every human being is meant to take on the role as neighbor for others. And in that first reading we hear in the, the book of Deuteronomy, which actually means second law, because it captivates all of the Mosaic law uh, throughout the, the, it's the final book of the Torah, the f- first five books of the Jewish uh, books. And it's so great because it's, it's the final section of Moses as the presumed author writing God's word. And it's right before they, they make it into the promised land, which Moses doesn't get to go to. He dies before that. But he's reminding the people, God is reminding the people through, his, through the writing, um, of the importance of following the law. He says, you have one responsibility, one thing you have to do, keep the commandments. And they're like, ah, I don't, God, that's, they seem kind of tough, I don't know. He's like, no, 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 they're not mysterious or remote. <laughs> they're not somewhere up in the sky randomly. They're not somewhere across a sea, right? They're actually something that's very near to us. In fact, they're in our mouths and they're in our hearts, What Deuteronomy is getting at is that there is a natural law that is placed in every single one of us from the moment of our existence. This natural law, which shows us like people are, like have a human dignity and they deserve to be cared for and treated well. And so it's important that we don't see law, when we talk about the Mosaic law, the the Ten Commandments, uh, canon law, whatever it's like, we don't want to see laws as burdensome things, right? We want to see them as something that allows us to carry out the natural law. That give us a freedom, in fact. Law is not restrictive. Law just gives us boundaries. It says, like, okay, I'm not going to go over and do this crazy thing over here, but I'm also not going to let myself be taken advantage of and do crazy stuff over here either. Like, laws give us uh, safe places to, like, live within. They give us actual freedoms. Now, this idea of... of the law not being some mysterious thing means like natural law is something we can all know, something that we can all discover. And so today in the gospel, when Jesus is talking to the scholar, this scholar, man, he is pompous. Jesus, I'm going to try to use a British accent because I think that's a pompous sound, right? Mm. I can't do it. Never mind. (laughs) That was was rude of me. There's a prejudice. There you go. Okay. Prejudice. Um, But the scholar who should know the law, The scholar who does, because he quotes it, he's like, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? 
what do you think? Tell me. Well, I think you should do this, 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 and this. Right? He's going through the, the first example. Love God above all others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. That is the law. So do it. He says, okay, okay, yeah. And then, this is the pompous part, but uh, Jesus, or, uh, yeah, who's my, uh, who's my neighbor? Like, do I have to do this to everyone or just some people? And then he goes into this parable, right? He talks about this man. Now, it's important to note that we never find out the identity of the man who's mugged. So that's an important reality. It's also important to understand why the priests and Levites did what they did, because sometimes they're like, man, those priests and Levites, they're just jerks, right? Which gives a bad impression to other priests. But anyway, the priests and Levites, they're following the, uh, the cultural law. The cultural law. Not the natural law, the cultural law. The cultural law was that if a priest or a Levite on their way to the temple uh, were to touch someone who was dead or like an unclean individual, they were not permitted to go in and, and offer service and worship. And so they don't know if the guys, they're like, man, he looks kind of dead, but like, I better not touch him. I'm just going to make a wide berth, right? So yes, liturgically, they're following like their norm, but they've completely missed the natural law, the moral law, the, the opportunity to do good. That's why they, that's why they skip them. Now, the Samaritan, and we don't know this, the Samaritans were not super well-loved by the Jews. They were like this crossbreed of Gentile and like others at the, yeah, anyway. They weren't, they weren't in big favor, is the, what you need to know. But Jesus uses Samaritans as examples at least twice. One, here, as the good Samaritan, and then the second time with the woman at the well. So he says, okay, here's this individual who is already an outcast, who is treated poorly, who isn't loved, who is rejected. And it's that individual who's ultimately going to go up and he's like, let me take care of you. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what, your, what our relationship is with one another, if I'm supposed to talk to you or not. Like, but I'm going to go and help you. So he takes the man, he puts him on his animal, he takes him to the inn, he gives money. He says, by the way, if you use more, just tell me, I'll give you more money. It's not a big deal. And so at the end of that, Jesus is like, so who is the neighbor? And the scholar has to, to own up and say, the one who offered mercy. So for us, it's actually important to not think so much in the question of like, who is my neighbor? More in the question of, how am I to be a neighbor to others? It's a very delicate switch, but instead of being like, who's my neighbor? Like, is Eli my neighbor? I don't know. I don't know where you live, Eli. Hopefully you're my neighbor, whatever. But like, more like, how can I be a neighbor to Eli? How can I care for and give mercy and, and live out this natural law for him if he's in need? Ultimately, deeds of mercy have to come before any cultic concerns or practices. Now, yesterday was a fairly significant day, or significant date of my life. Yesterday, six years ago, I found out one of my, my friends and classmates passed away in a, a very sudden accident. His name is Brian Burkamp. So I met him in the seminary. He was studying to be a priest for the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. And it was in the summer of 2016, he and some other seminarians and a group of 
young college students decided to take a kayaking trip out in one of the rivers. So they're going through, they're doing their thing, no big deal. They get to this bridge underpass, and they hit some currents. And one of the girls in her kayak flips, she goes under, and she's stuck. So they're, they're getting everyone out, because it's, it's not good weather, but, or it's not good water, but as, she, as they're getting everyone out, she flips, she goes under, Brian immediately goes back in, goes under, grabs her, pulls her up, gets her to the surface, but in the process gets stuck himself and then passed away. So Brian, who would have been ordained uh, with, with our group of, of uh, classmates, who had been entered into his fifth year of priesthood, he lived out in that very moment the call of neighbor to just go and to live and give his life ultimately for this other individual. For us, it doesn't have to necessarily be so dramatic, but we are called to love others through their own sinfulness. It doesn't mean we condone sin, but it means that we love them in spite of that sin, whether that's our, our families, our spouses, our siblings, our friends, even the ones down the street that we're not super fond of. Like, no matter if, if they choose good or, or evil actions, like, we love them, but in that process of loving, we're calling them to something greater. We're calling them to be elevated to something more. And so we want to bring others back by acts of love. St. Bernard's, we are a gift to this community because we are the only Catholic church. We get to live in, in, in uh, to embody this, this reality of Christ's sacrificial love. But to do that means we have to go out. We have to become neighbor for others. We have to be bringing them in. We have to be excited about them coming. Like, I love standing out there at the beginning of Mass, seeing people coming like, hey, welcome, I'm so happy you're here. Like, you might think I'm kidding. I'm not. Like, that's just who I am. There's this excitement when we live out the natural law, the law to just love because it's what's in our hearts. It's what we're designed to do. And some of us, it's going to be harder. Some of us, it's going to be easier. But it goes back to this idea of Mr. Rogers. What barriers or prejudices are in our lives that we have to identify first so that we can then give to God second in order for them to be broken down? If we don't know what they are, we're never going to correct them. So may we bring to the Lord today in our prayer just the question like, Lord, what are the barriers, what are the prejudices that I have unknowingly that I want to surrender to you so that I can be neighbor for other, that I can live out this natural, good, loving law? Because it's not a mysterious thing somewhere up in the sky or across the ocean or somewhere far away. It's actually already in me. It exists in me. And in so doing, I will die to myself. I'll die to my own wants and desires so that I can live for another. Because that's what Jesus shows us. The most important thing we can offer today is mercy to our neighbor.